It's the fourth chapter. As you're turning over there, um, I just want to go to the Lord once more. I decided to believe you're, you're not here by accident. Amen? You're not here by mistake. I believe the Lord has brought you here purposely and intentionally. In fact, uh, I believe the Lord has something he wants to share with you. But let's go to the Lord once more, and I'm going to ask for his help. Father, I come before you tonight, and Lord, I ask for your enabling power. I ask, Father God, that you would move as only you can in our midst. I pray, Father, for the anointing of your spirit. I pray, Father God, that every hindrance, every distraction would be broken. But Lord, most of all, I pray for the revelation knowledge that comes only by the Spirit. Lord, we don't need just understanding. We don't just need information. We need revelation tonight. And I ask, Father, that we would see you, Lord, in the fullness. And everybody said amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight about Christ in the Exodus. Christ in the Exodus. And I want to look here as Moses has been commissioned. He has met the Lord at the burning bush. God has spoken to him and said, Now I want you to go and deliver my children out of Egyptian bondage. And in so doing, he shows up. And, of course, he is a little uh, intimidated by the whole venture. Uh, and he's asking the Lord, What if they don't listen to me? And what if they don't believe I've actually heard from you? And this is where we take up the story here in Exodus 4 and verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, speaking of the children of Israel, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2, So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So we cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand, take it up by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob have appeared to you. Verse 6. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, put, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and he took it out. Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. He said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, and they may not believe the message of the latter sign, it shall be... If they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river, pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on dry land. Christ in the Exodus. So he's going, the Lord is setting up a stage. He is preparing Moses to go and to challenge the images in Egypt. There'll be 10 plagues that'll be poured out. Each one of those plagues was a direct assault against an image that the Egyptians had set up. Because the Lord's interest was not only bringing Israel out of bondage, he wanted to give a clear message as the image that he has formed in them and the image that they were created in is not the images that came forth out of Egypt. How many know that the world wants to form and shape you into an image that is not the image of your creator? And so these three signs here 
yes, they would, two of them would be used to speak to Pharaoh as a sign, but these three signs were for Israel. The serpent, the rod becoming a serpent, the hand that was leprous being cured, and then the water turning into blood. Now we can see there, and we, we won't get too deep into those, the, the first one and the last one, and, and so for time's sake, I want to jump over at the spark of this message here. What sparked this message was there about the, the hand that he put it inside of his cloak in his bosom, took his hand and put it in. It was completely whole. He puts it into his bosom, and he pulls it back out, and it's leprous. It's covered with an incurable disease. Leprous, white as snow. It was in the latter stages. There was no cure for that. Then he takes it and he puts it back in, pulls it out, and it's smooth as it can be, just like the rest of his skin. Interesting. Now, I've never taken much note of that until I was reading one of the classics. I was reading Quintus Septimus Tertullian. Ter <laughs> Tertullian, Tertullian, let me get his name right. They just call him in reference, you'll see it, Tertullian. He is the oldest recorded apologist. He was part of the early Christian authors. He was stationed there and lived in Carthage and was in the Roman province of Africa. He did extensive studies in, the, in apologetics and did lots of writings. He is known as the founder of the Western theology. And Tertullian originated the new theological concepts, and he was actually the first one, and the most famous term that he came up with in Latin was Trinity. So we see here, as I was looking and studying some weeks back, I picked up some of his writings, and of course they're, they're varying scholarly writings and a lot of ancient writings there. But I was interested in his, his position on the resurrection of the flesh and the incarnation of Christ. And you read a lot, and I'll tell Andrea, you know, I read about a chapter a day of his. But I, I read a lot, and then when you look along in there, half of which you may not even understand. You might. I don't. But as I look at that, you can pick up some nuggets as you go through there. One particular nugget that I found as he was pointing here to this occurrence there with an exodus with Moses. And he called it a resurrection foretelling. He wrote, when Moses puts his hand in his bosom and then draws it out again dead, and again puts his hand into his bosom and plucks it out living, does that not apply to the sign of mankind? So see, the Lord has weaved the resurrection and the humanity and, and, and redemption all through the Word of God. He gives us signs and He shows us stories and He, he unveils so that we, we may not get it on this point, but maybe we'll get it on the other. And we begin to see how beautiful, how beautiful God is and what His desire is. So from that statement, the Lord just began to open up to me as we see, man was created perfectly innocent and placed in the bosom of the Father. That's gener generation. 
God created us and he put us in, by his heart in the bosom of the Father. And then death entered through disobedience, separating man from the bosom of the Father, leaving man corrupted in sin. We were made in the image of God, completely, perfectly innocent. But then, because of disobedience, we were the enemy's attempt and temptation was to remove us from the very heart of the Father and cause us to become alienated from this relationship. But the Father returned man to his bosom through the Son, rescuing man from the incurable disease of sin, the tyranny of Satan, and the uncontrollable self. Did you get that? So God creates us, places us in his bosom, next to his heart, his hands, and then we are removed through disobedience and we become leprous and we see that it's an incurable disease. Leprosy was always equated or, or related or, or was a symbol of the sinful nature of man. Now, believing that the job of the deed was finished, God sent his son to the earth to bring man back to the place of his image before the Father. And so when he's brought forth again in resurrection, isn't that good stuff? Amen. Because what we see in John 1 and 18, no man has seen, the Father, seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. God creates us perfect, puts us next to His heart. Sin and disobedience and succumbing to the enemy's lies. Man comes out incurable, no changes dead to self, dead to eternal life, destined for damnation, never to return. But God the Father said, no, we're not going to leave it like that. Because Moses is just a type of a deliverer. I'm sending the deliverer. And he's going to take the incurable, the, the, one, the lepers that had to alienate themselves from community. They couldn't have relationship. The only relationship they could have was with other lepers because they were, they were regulated and sent out away from their family and the community because they could infect someone else. And they had to wear tattered rags and they had to holler out, unclean, unclean. You couldn't get within six feet of them. Unclean, unclean. Separation through relationship. But now God the Father said, no, the relationship the enemy intended to destroy, I'm going to put back by sending my son and bring you back to my heart. Now Jesus lives evermore to make intercession for you and I. Where is he at? He's at the right hand of the Father. When he died, we died with him. But when he rose, we rose with him. To bear his image. Moses, I'm setting the stage. 
It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable just for a few months, but I've got to let generations to follow know this truth is that they are not made in the world's image. There, though, all those images that Pharaoh and the rest of them have set up, uh, and the snake that's on top of his crown, I'm going to bring down. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to show you what the image is, and the image of power and glory and might and freedom. Amen? So as so we look at that, and uh, the Lord showed me something here the other day. Has anybody ever stopped to ponder for a moment creation? Why man was created? Anybody? Why am I here? Have for so often we have looked at the creation of man and the sinful nature of man and Jesus Christ coming to rescue man from himself and from Satan and sin as almost the great fix for the great debacle that took place in the garden. Does that make sense to you? In other words, God created man in the garden, and man sinned, and now God in his foreknowledge knew all of this, and now he's got to come and bring his son so that he can rescue us from ourselves. But could there be another narrative that maybe we don't quite grasp? Could it be that, yes, Jesus came in human flesh, to rescue us but could it be that Jesus was always intended to be human now you think well Jesus was always intended to be human why wouldn't God start man with Jesus it's a good question one that I may not even have considered. And then the Lord just began to show me something. Can you create something that's already created? In the beginning, before the beginning was the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was where? The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. All things were made by the Word, and without the Word, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus has always been and forever will be. Always been and forever will be. So we could not start humanity with the one who is already created, the creator had to create. So now Jesus could not be created because Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth. Are you with me? And the Lord breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and he became a being that wasn't there before. Before man ever stepped on the earth, he only existed in the imagination of God, and he only came about as the communication of God. Jesus could not 
be created because he was already in existence. But he could step into creation. Are you with me? He could step into creation. So in the garden, I believe with all of my heart, it's always been God's intent for Jesus to become human so that creation could enter into relationship with him. We don't get this kind of teaching anymore. So when Jesus, who already in pre-existence, came into the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, he took upon this human form because he became human. He lived as a human. He died as a human. And this is where we miss it. He rose human. And he will always and forever be God. And he will always and forever be human. Now that brings us great hope. See, because we, we live in a state of mind and we question, Lord, why creation? Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to rescue us. Absolutely true. But there was a choice in the garden. The tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you choose life, life would have existed. But now there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Man chose that and death entered into creation. So the only way to rescue man was Jesus had to come and live this perfect existence as a human. God as a human. And give the sacrifice so that he could bring us ultimately, church, into relationship with himself. My Lord Jesus, if we will get this, it'll transform us. I know what I just did is I just ran through some of the houses of theology and I just with a, slip, with a wrecking ball just wrecked a whole lot of stuff you thought you had figured out. And some of you are questioning whether or not I'm preaching heresy or not. I appreciate the quietness because I believe we pastor a church of thinkers and you're considering whether or not what I'm telling you is true. But if you can start to consider the fact that God gave man a choice in the garden because he created him in his image. And with, if God created man in his image, he gave him a choice. I gave you a choice. I created you like me. I created you in my image. And see, folks, before we're ever going to be able to escape bondage we've got to combat the image that the enemy wants to put on us Gideon went out he was going to deliver another deliverer in the kingdom of God here is Gideon going to deliver a, the nation of Israel I have called you as a fearless warrior you are a mighty man of God now first order of business go tear down the images Then we're going to go to battle. But we're not going to go to battle with all your strength and might. We're going to go into battle in weakness. So you know you're strong not in you but in me. Because in the image of God we are created. And in his image we are made whole. And as he is in the world so are we.
Woo! This changes everything, folks. You mean to tell me God loved me so much that he wants a relationship with me individually? That's exactly what I'm telling you tonight. I don't care what your daddy told you, what your mama told you. I don't care what your ex or your ex's ex told you. I don't care what's going on in your mind. What I care about is whether or not you know that God wants a relationship with you. With you. Because you are created in his image. You're created in his likeness. We came into this world perfectly innocent. And God placed us over his heart. What happened to man was generation, degeneration. But the Lord said, I can't leave them there. I gave them a choice, but I'm going to make a choice. They can never get back to me by themselves. You can never make it back. You can't cure the incurable. You can't fix the unfixable. You can't tame the untamable. You cannot wheel yourself into righteousness. You can't wheel yourself uh, in good works uh, and ever expect you're going to accomplish the righteous standard that God uh, has in store for you. But let me tell you, when you accept the resurrected Christ uh, as your resurrection, uh, and no, we're not there yet physically, but it's already and has been. Amen? It's already, it's already happened. I am seated with Christ. Uh, and yes, there's one day that I'm going to be seated with Christ. Amen? But now... I'm not going to leave man in that degenerated, uh, destructive, leprous uh, individual who lives in a leper colony, who wears dirty, filthy clothes, uh, who has to declare to the world uh, that you are no good uh, and that you don't get near me or what I have is going to get off on you. But I tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to send my right hand. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to bring you back to my heart. Is that good? That sounds like good news to me. It took me a while. It took me a while to grapple with these thoughts. To come to realize that Jesus Christ has always been and forever will be. I didn't have any problem with that. I didn't have any problem with Jesus coming and living as a human. I don't think any of us have a problem with that. When I don't think any of us have a problem with him dying as a human. But what we have a difficulty with is realizing he rose a human. Bringing us back into relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was a hand, there was a cloud that lifted up out of the sea. Andrew mentioned this Sunday morning, and oh, it just sparked me because I, I love the story of Elijah. I love it. Oh, calling down the fire, man, fixing the altar. Give me 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. Nobody's left out at the altar. Bring them all in, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Come on, Ephraim, Manasseh, Joseph. Yeah, you got two parts in there. We've got Levi. We got Gad. We got Asher. Let's get them all down. Uh, let's put them all together there. 
Just kill the bulls, lay it up there, pour the water on there, call the fire down from heaven, and it comes and it consumes the sacrifice, licks up the water in the trench. Now, goes up on the top of the hill and tells the servant, said, I want you to go and look out on the, on the sea and tell me if you see anything. First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Four, five, six. Finally, on the seventh time, go tell me what you see. The number of completion, the number of covenant, the number there when someone sevens themselves, they covenant themselves. They come there and they seal covenants through the number, through seven sacrifices. And now, go tell me what you see. I see a cloud lifting up out of the sea. Revelation tells us and shows us uh, that those seas are the nations uh, and generations. It's rising up out. Uh, and what does it look like? It's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. <laughs> what is it doing? It's ascending up into heaven. What happens when it gets to heaven? Uh, he didn't stick around to find out. Uh, he said, go tell Ahab, uh, you better get on the move uh, because everybody's about to get wet. Uh, because when the, when the, when the hand uh, rises back up uh, into the heavens, uh, now the Spirit is poured out upon everybody. Everybody gets wet. Amen? Oh, folks, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I get a little COVID fatigue now and again. I get tired of hearing it. I think the Lord got tired of me hearing it. He cut off my local network channel. <laughs> I don't hear it so much anymore. I still try to stay informed, but I don't know as much as what's going on. So if you tell me breaking news, I'm sorry, I probably didn't hear. <laughs> but you get a little COVID fatigue. <laughs> you got it? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't make light of any of this, please. I don't make light of any of this. There's those in this house who have lost great relations. But you have these swirling thoughts in your mind all the time. Every sniffle becomes paramount. Every time that something happens, it's just a constant, constant, constant. We all feel it. We all sense it. I said, Lord, I'm I'm a little tired of this. And I want you to hear this in the, in the heart and intent of what's, what it's meant. Because the Lord may take me home tomorrow. Any one of us not promised tomorrow. But the Lord said this. It's a privilege to be living in this time as the church. There went the complaint. There went the bawling around. I know you don't have these experiences. Some of you have been asking, Lord, can we rewind or can we fast forward? Can we get out of this mess? But you find yourself in a place where you begin to understand that we've got a, we've got a purpose here. There's a call of God upon us. That is to bear the image of the resurrected Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to start to wind down tonight because the Lord gave me a dream. And I, I don't put a lot of stock in dreams and things, but I had a dream last night. And it was so vivid. And I'm not going to mention the individual that just a childhood acquaintance I had. But 
I was there and I was witnessing to this, this one that knew me way back when and we played football together and we, we went to school together and I've known him as long as I've gone to school. And I was, I was talking to him and I said, listen, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And his response to me in the stream was this, I don't want to live in the bondage to God. I laughed. I said, bondage to God? Are you kidding me? I said, the relationship with God brings you liberty and freedom. You, you're free of the shame. You're free of the pain. You don't have to carry around your regrets anymore. Your sin has been wiped away. The burdens of your they're all gone. And you just go after God. And if you're afraid, you run to him and he takes care of the fear. And I said, living in bondage to God, are you kidding me? Living for God is liberating, it's freedom, it's joy unspeakable. And I stopped him and I said, here's the truth. One day soon, we will all stand before God. There'll be two people standing there. One group that has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and understood that the leprosy that they bore in their body, in their soul, and in their mind could only be cleansed and cured by the resurrection of Jesus, by his sacrifice. I said, that will be a group there in eternity. And I'll tell you what the other group will be. It'll be the group that decided to carry all of the weight and the responsibility of their sin upon their own shoulders and make a declaration that they are good enough to get in by their own righteousness. I said, what group do you want to be in? The one who acknowledged the fact that you can't make it on your own, you're created to have a creator? Or are you going to continue living your life as a person who's going to shoulder all of that shame and all of that pain. And then I woke up. And my first thought was, that was weird. And the Lord spoke to me immediately and he said, that's for tonight. That's for tonight. There's someone in this house tonight and all you have perceived Christianity to be is a bunch of rules and regulations and live giving up your freedom. That's all you've ever, maybe it's all you've ever been taught or maybe that's all you could ever see. And so you have pushed back and pushed away the idea of God. Well, what the Lord is saying to you tonight is, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with you. And in that relationship, I have rescued you from sin, from Satan, and from yourself. And it would be a sad thing if you're in this house tonight and you hear this declaration of this message that God purposely and intentionally set apart this night for you, for you to walk out of here without the opportunity of receiving him. Worship team, come help me. Stand to your feet, if you will.
Father, we magnify, Lord, your name. You are worthy. You are worthy. Guys, let me switch microphones here. Father, you are worthy, Lord God. Praise and honor and glory, Lord. Merciful God, I believe that there's someone in this house tonight. Lord, I know that they're here. They're in this place tonight, and Lord, they're carrying the weight of all their burdens, all of their sin, all of their sorrow, all of their regret. And Lord, they, they haven't even known that there's a better way or another way. They haven't even realized, Lord God, until these moments, Lord God, that there is a better way. That, Lord, it's never been your intent or purpose to alienate and separate them from yourself. That's the lie of the devil. That's the lie of our fallen man. But, Lord, your intent has always been to bring us into relationship with you for that burden of sin to be lifted off, to accept you as our Lord and as our Savior. Come on, church, pray. Come on, church, pray. There's someone weighing in the balance tonight. Come on and pray. Father, we praise you. If you're in this house tonight and you know that the Lord is speaking to you, step out right now. Step out right now. If you're, if you're afraid to come by yourself, ask the person next to you to come with you. But if you're in this house tonight and say, I, I, need, to, I need to get my heart right with the Lord. I need to get my heart right with the Lord. I'm tired of carrying this around. I'm tired of being who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the sin tired of the regret. I can't do it anymore. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need a relationship with the living God. I need God. Come on. Come on. These altars are open. Come on. Come on. I want you to do something. I don't know that I've done this in the eight years I've been here. If there's somebody next to you, I want you to look over at them and say, do you, do you need me to go with you? Come on. Just ask them. Do you need me to go with you? Come on. Do you, do you need me to go with you? I feel that urgency tonight. I feel that urgency tonight. Father, we love you and we need you and we magnify your name. Able is the Lord, mighty is the Lamb. Oh, hallelujah. Worship team is going to start playing right now. We're going to wait on you. We're going to wait on you. Worship team is going to start singing right now. If you want to come to this altar, we want you to come. We want to pray with you tonight.
ask you tonight, how many have been wearied by the day, by the day we're living in? Just lift your hands to the Lord. I believe the Lord's going to give some rest tonight. Oh, he's going to give the revelation that it's a privilege to be a part of the last day church. We just didn't know the last day church was going to look quite like this. Right now, let's just begin to thank him. Father, I just pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that we would comprehend and understand. Lord, the very privilege, Lord God, we have to praise, the very privilege we have to pray. Lord God, the very privilege we have to serve. And that, Lord, how, Lord let us begin to comprehend how privileged we are to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, Lord, we do not make light of those who have lost and lost, Lord God, tragically. But, Lord, we pray that you would comfort their heart and that, Lord, that you would galvanize in our heart, knowing, Father, that your return, Lord God, the Lord Jesus, is so very soon. And, Lord, I just pray tonight, Lord God, that there would be such an overwhelming sense of your joy, your hope, and your presence, Lord. Father, we ask in the name of the Lord for those that are in this house that needed to respond, that, Lord, that they would cry out to you even as they go, Lord, from this house and as they lay their head down tonight. Let them cry out to you and, Lord, accept you as their Lord and Savior, Lord God, and be relieved of that burden of sin. Lord, we love you and we need you, Lord God, now more than ever. Lord, we need the spirit of revival, Lord God, to come and to sweep, Lord, our land. Lord, we ask, Almighty God, as we draw a circle in the sand, and Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, let revival begin here. Lord, let revival begin here. Let it begin in me. Let it begin in us. Let it begin in this house. Let it begin on a Wednesday night. Lord, let it begin in this place, Lord God. Let there be a, such a mighty, Lord, yearning for your presence, Lord God, that will supersede all other yearnings and desire, Lord God. Lord, I ask in the name of the Lord God that you would put such a ravenous hunger in us for revival, Lord. Lord, the full soul loathes the honeycomb, but Lord God, unto the hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. Lord God, we ask for your presence, Lord, that is transformative, Lord God, that will take down every image of the enemy, Lord. Oh, merciful God, we will set our face like a flint toward you. Lord, we will not back away, be still, let up or let go, Lord God. We are coming after the Lord. We want to see the image. Oh, God, when we look in the mirror, we want to see you. When we open our mouth, we want to hear you. When we look at the landscape, we want to see through your eyes. Lord, when we move, Father God, we want to move according to your will. Oh, merciful God, I ask you tonight, let the will, let the word, let the power of your spirit. Lord, send a revival, Lord God, in this house. Lord, that'll squelch every fear, Lord God. That'll drive up the spirit of discord, Lord God. That'll cause worldliness, Lord God, to be a sour in the mouth, Lord God, and become, Lord God, Lord, tainted to their stomach, Lord. Father, we ask it in your name. Oh, merciful God, we praise you. We glorify you. We need you, Lord God, tonight. Lord, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Folks, let me hear me tonight and we're going to close. If we do nothing, we get nothing. If we do nothing, we get nothing. If you don't have the level of hunger for the presence of God that you want, 
to see what it is that you want to see, could you just ask him daily, Lord, put a ravenous hunger in me that the, the well doesn't have to be pumped anymore. That you walk in ready to worship. You walk in ready to set the atmosphere. You walk in knowing that the Spirit of God has purposed for you to be here in this time because you're in relationship with the risen Savior and the risen Savior is living inside of your heart and you are a conduit of the Holy Ghost and that the Spirit of the Lord wants to move in this house. So could you just, just take a few minutes out of your day? I'm not asking for hours on end. I'm just asking for just a few moments of your day to say, Lord, I want to see the glory cloud, Lord, that is lifted, pour out on us like never before. I want to bear your image. I want to see the glory of the Lord. Lord, bring freedom, Lord God, in this house of every tormenting mind and spirit. Thank you, Father, for the hunger that you're pouring into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen.